It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network. And for those watching on YouTube on Patriots Press Pass, I'm Evan Lazar, joined as always by Alex Barth. And Alex, two nights in a row on on the podcast, a, a double dip here, short week, quick turnaround, the Patriots heading down to the ATL to play the Atlanta Falcons on Thursday night football. And I think the best way to describe this game at this point of the season, Alex, is just take care of business, right? I, I don't DCOB. Think, yeah, I don't think we necessarily need to see the style points that we saw against the Cleveland Browns in a short week. Take care of business, win the football game against an inferior opponent. And I truly believe the Patriots are at the point in time now that we can say, not taking anybody lightly, but they should win these types of games, right? They are the better team. Uh, They are the hotter team, that's for sure. And they should go down to Atlanta and beat the Falcons and come away with a victory. And then let's get ready for the Titans. Yeah, real quick, because I see it in the chat there. Uh, Way too early Patriots draft crush. Darian Kennard, offensive tackle, Kentucky. Um, Yeah, I I think he's good. Uh, Total TCOB game. It does feel a little trappy. Uh, yeah. Home teams win dis- disproportionately on Thursday night football. Yeah. What I did find interesting today is when the injury report was released, the Falcons half of it indicated that it was another projected injury report, like on Monday that, yeah. that, you know, when they didn't practice, the Patriots did not say it was projected. So I don't know if they just didn't put it or potentially they had some, even just a walkthrough today. Right. So the road team is coming in more prepared in terms of practices, which is very, very rare on Thursday night football. But I, yeah, it's, it's a perfect way to put it. It's a big time TCOB game for the Patriots. I'd play some BTO. If YouTube wasn't crazy about the music copyrights, like that's just, you go in, you get the win, you get out. And then they got 10 days to prepare for really good Titans team. Like that's the best case scenario. It doesn't need to look pretty. Just here's the other part about it. They haven't had their bye week yet. I mean, here we are. It's almost Thanksgiving. This is like a mini bye week, right? So if you get, just get to this point, get this win, and then you get 10 days to get yourself right. I think they could really use those 10 days. So uh, TCOB, BTO, however you want to put it. It's that kind of game. Right. Right. And not to look ahead. We can look ahead. The team should not look ahead, but we can look ahead. And you see the Tennessee Titans in the Buffalo Bills as the Patriots next two opponents before the bye. So this is one of those games Once again, as we keep saying, they're the better team. Take care of business. Get the victory. Now, you mentioned the trap, trappy aspects of this game, right? A short week, Thursday night football. 
team riding a four game winning streak. Maybe you start reading some of your head, your press clipping, some of your headlines, get a little ahead of yourselves with, in terms of where things are headed for the Patriots and the other angle. And I know you had that tweet earlier in the week about Matt Ryan's experience versus some of the quarterbacks. Got it right here. If you want me to read it. Yeah. And on top of that, just also looking at it as Matt Ryan is a veteran quarterback going up against a rookie and Mac Jones outside of what the Patriots have faced the last four weeks. If there is any sort of trap element to this, it's that Ryan is still a very, very good quarterback when the situation around him is a decent, right? He's not going to have all of his playmakers, but when he still has guys out there that can get open and the lines protecting him, he can pick you apart just as good as he could in his MVP years. And aside from that, Matt Mac Jones has never gone through a Thursday night football game before he has never played in this short of a time frame. He owned that. Not that he was hiding anything, obviously, but he owned that uh, yesterday at the podium and said, No, I've never done anything like this before. I never did it in college. I never did it in high school. So Ryan's been around the block. Ryan's been around Thursday night football before. He's not Sam Darnold or Justin Herbert or one of these young quarterbacks that you're going to fool with a bunch of bells and whistles defensively. And that's why I truly feel starting with the Falcons offense against the Patriots defense. This is a game that in a lot of ways, is going to just come down to Jimmy's and Joe's. We talk a lot about X's and O's on this podcast, but I don't think you're going to go out there and start disguising and rotating coverage on the back end and confusing Matt Ryan. He's seen too much. He's been around the block too many times. This is one of those games where you just kind of have to man up and not get beat by Russell Gage, right? And some of these other depth players that are going to play a lot of snaps for the Falcons tomorrow night. Yeah, so I'll give you the numbers here. I just need to double-check one thing, but I'll give you the numbers on why Ryan sort of stands out. Yeah, okay, I thought so. Um, if my phone would unlock. Uh, so so here are the numbers. The, the six-game stretch the Patriots are on, right? They've won five yeah. of the last six. The the only loss in there was in overtime to the Cowboys. Right. The, the six quarterbacks they faced in that span, heading into whatever game they faced them, career starts, Davis Mills, two. Dak Prescott, 74, Zach Wilson, 5, Justin Herbert, 20, Sam Darnold, 46, Baker Mayfield, 53. So Dak's the highest at 74 in three of the six, 20 or less, two of the six, 10 or less career starts heading into the game. In total, it's 200 starts of experience between the six quarterbacks. This is Matt Ryan's 215th start. Right. He has more than all those guys combined. And even if you go back to the beginning of the season, this is only the second time the Patriots have faced a quarterback with more than 100 career starts. Jameis Winston is 77, slightly ahead of Dak, but it's just Tom Brady is the only other quarterback who has this kind of experience. So this is some unfamiliar territory for a young Patriots defense. The, the, the flip side of that is, and as much as Bill's talked about this week that he thinks Matt Ryan's been much better this year, Matt Ryan's coming off of statistically the worst game of his career, like literally the worst passer rating of his career last week against the Cowboys defense. That's okay. Yeah, good, but not great. Patriots yeah. defense is better. Um, and he got benched for Josh Rosen. So I just, you're not going to be able to put him in a blender as easily. That being said, it's not like he can't get put in a blender. Right. So here, here's the key for the Patriots in this game. And I think the Falcons are playing some, some games with the injury report with Cordero Patterson, who miraculously in two days has gone from out earlier on in the week with a high ankle sprain to now a game time decision. 
So there is a chance I, I would say that CP plays in this game, but he's not going to be 100%. He, he had a high ankle sprain against Dallas on Sunday, and he's going to play three days later, four days later on Thursday night. He's not going to be 100%. So he's going to be out there most likely as a decoy. Today we talked to Bill Belichick, and he went on and on and on about Kyle Pitts. And it's totally understandable. Uh, Pitts is a fantastic rookie uh, he's in fantastic one of the better tight ends in the league probably instantly right now uh, for the Atlanta Falcons and the, and the things that Belichick talked about and I think it's really interesting is the fact that Pitts can play outside receiver he, you can line him up at the X uh, you can put him in the slot or you can put him with his hand in the dirt as an inline tight end and he can handle all of those responsibilities Right. And that is really rare. And I'm not just talking about receiving responsibilities. He can also block. So you have a guy that can really do absolutely everything. But the Patriots have to go into this game like all of us are thinking about it and saying anybody but Kyle Pitts. Right. Anybody else. If Russell Gage is going to beat us, if they're going to throw on Jalen Mills and J.C. Jackson uh, with Russell Gage or uh, with Tajay Sharp or or whoever the case may be, then tip your cap. And and those guys are just better than you that week. and, And that is what it is. Right. So in this game, it's anybody but Kyle Pitts. I. I would assume that Kyle Pitts gets the kitchen sink. We're going to see jams at the line of scrimmage. We're going to see bracket coverage when he's in the middle of the field. And it wouldn't shock me one bit if on third down and when he's detached from the formation, the Patriots put J.C. Jackson on him in obvious passing situations if they do go man. But we're going to see a ton of that one guy outside of him, one guy inside of him, and we're going to close him off and bracket him, uh, whether it's a cone bracket or a dedicated bracket or even just like zone coverage where both guys are kind of responsible for Kyle Pitts in one way or another. Yeah. What was the stat uh, from PFF this morning? Kyle Pitts is like the highest PFF grade of all receivers against man coverage, yeah, something like he, that. So the, a few weeks ago they played the dolphins. Uh, I think it was, uh, that was, a, was that the London game? I, I Yeah. That right. That was the London game. And um, I'm looking at their schedule now. It was week seven. Uh, they played Miami and Miami put Xavier Howard on Kyle Pitts and Kyle Pitts had a monster day against Howard and they trusted Howard to just take him one-on-one on an Island and Pitts had seven for 163 in that game going up against Miami's man. Do you do uh, the yards per yards after catch? I know. I'm just looking at the general box score. So, cause just my thing about putting JC Jackson on him is if I'm the Falcons and I see that, what I'm going to do is just start running pits underneath on crossers and slants and make JC Jackson tackle him in the open field. And JC Jackson's a good player, but asking any defensive back, any cornerback to tackle Kyle Pitts one-on-one in the open field is a monster ask. So that that's why that worries me is if they start getting him the ball, you know, again, slants, screens, just that kind of thing, setting up yards after the catch opportunities. And you just have JC Jackson out there. Even if you have the safety help over the top, that safety still got to come down from the back end of the defense. That's going to take him a bit. I just, I don't love that, how that works out schematically. Maybe later in the game, if you know they have to throw down the field, you go to it. I, I really wouldn't go to that, you know, any time be, be, besides third and long early in the game. If he's at X, I don't know who else you're going to put on him. Like, you're not going to put Kyle Duggar or Adrian Phillips out there with him at the X. Why not like, so you're going to, you're going to like literally dedicate a double team to him 
with both both guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what they used to do to Tony Gonzalez. There's the famous picture of Calvin Johnson in the red zone with two defenders. Oh, I think it's a little different if you're in the red zone, right? If you're down in a condensed area, if you're on the 25, you're not going to put two guys out there on him. I'm just, I mean, I'm, you might. I don't know. I don't know if you can do that. But if you if they put him at X, I just don't see Kyle Duggar, who's probably going to be the guy, because that, that's just the way the Patriots have done it, right, is Duggar usually gets the man coverage matchup with the tight end. Sometimes it's Phillips, but I like to allow – Jawan Williams? Maybe Jawan Williams gets in there in, in this – I don't know. It's a really tough call, but I think the reason why I – when he's attached, I think of JC is because putting JC over Russell Gage or Tajay Sharp is, is basically a waste of JC, right? I mean, what he's, what's he going to do out? Who, who cares about those guys, right? This is a Kyle Pitts game. If you're the Patriots defense, I would much rather live and die with my best cover guy against their best uh, when he's detached. Now, when he's in line or he's over the slot, my guess is is that they will have bracket calls on him, right? And whether it's bracketing him out of two high shells, like cover seven brackets, or just bracketing him out of like a man or a cover three look where they just have one guy inside of him, maybe at the sticks or a robber type of coverage, and they're able to close him off that way and give him uh, leverage and give him help. I, they're they're going to throw everything either, uh, everything and, and more. And then I also think you're going to see if he's in line and is with his hand in the dirt, they're a hundred percent going to put Dante Hightower or Matt Judon or somebody over him. And the second he releases off the line of scrimmage, boom, right, right, right in his face with the jam. So that's coming as well. So there's a whole combination of things that I'm sure that they'll throw at Kyle Pitts. If Cordell Patterson plays, I think the, most difficult part about Patterson is the scheme versatility that he gives Arthur Smith. Is it, is it 12? Is it 11? You know, is he a wide receiver? Is he a running back? And then being able to figure out how to defend that package, right? Because if you put, if it's, if you're saying it's 12 and Cordell is a running back, and then you put nickel or base defense out there, well, then they can very easily just spread you out at that point and find the matchups on the linebackers, right? So that's that's really what Cordell brings to the table, I think, more than anything from a game plan perspective, is being able to mirror, uh, blur the lines between personnel groupings and not knowing exactly what they're in in terms of their flexibility when he's on the field. Yeah, I mean, he's we we know firsthand what a mismatch Cordero Patterson is. I and I think if he's out there, you have to respect him. Yeah. I, I could see Atlanta putting him out there as a decoy, but you can't know that, right? You have to respect him. And he's another like this is what Bill raved about today. And maybe this is where we get into one of these more philosophical question uh, uh right. talking points here, Evan. You know, part of his six-minute thousand-word answer on Kyle Pitts was yeah. these guys that can line up and play different positions what a stress they are to the defense to match up with. And I mean, do we need it? Do we, the Falcons are a perfect example because they have a ton of them, but the Patriots have had them. Uh, you know, they exist all over the league. Like the, it feels like mostly Patterson, but I would even call Pitts a utility player, right? Yeah. Like that's tr- truly, if we want to bring back offensive weapon, shout out to Denard Robinson. I'll yeah. go with that. But I mean, it really feels like they can put Patterson anywhere. And like Bill said, you know, if you see a team in the huddle, all right, they got two wide receivers, a back, and it's, they got three wide receivers, a back, and a tight end. We know what we need to do. 
Well, when Cordero Patterson is in the huddle, it's so tough to kind of know what kind of defensive personnel right. you're going to use because he can be a running back. He can be a slot receiver. He can be on the outside. Like if, if he's in there with the fullback, you know, normally running back fullback. All right. We're going to take our slot corner off the field. They're going to put an extra linebacker. They're going big. Well, now you can't necessarily do that because all right, you put the slot corner in. Well, now he's the running back with the fullback lead blocker and you're short in the box or you take the slot corner off and now you have a slot receiver out there and the fullback's alone in the backfield and you have an extra linebacker out there who has to go out and cover Patterson in space. So that's what makes this team so hard to defend and why Patterson's so valuable. And since I'm going on a tangent anyway, this is what the Patriots should have been doing with Johnny Smith this whole time. He should yeah. be a utility player. But, uh, you know, maybe they, they, they saw it this week studying the Falcons and we see it uh, coming out of the, the mini bye week here. Yeah, and uh, just really quickly, Kyle Pitts... I think Belichick really put this out there. This is not Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller, right? This is not a jumbo wide receiver in a tight end number. He he can right. he can block. You know, he can block. Oh, he, Waller can block. Waller is okay. But he can block. Like I'm not saying yeah. he's George Kittle or Rob Gronkowski, but but he can block. So it's well, Bill gonna, called him a cross between Julio Jones and Tony Gonzalez. Yeah, it was a lot of praise. There's a lot of praise. Uh, I don't think this is – look, I, the Patriots have been great in zone coverage over the last couple of weeks. That's been the basis of a lot of these game plans that they've thrown out there. I, I do think that there is an element that you kind of go with what works on Thursday night football. You don't want to reinvent the wheel. But based off the numbers, based off of some of the things that I've seen on tape – when you go up against a veteran quarterback like Matt Ryan, uh, it's a lot harder to play zone, you know, because th- these veterans like what well, that was always a thing with Brady, right? Was you can't play zone against Brady because he's just going to sit there and pick you apart. And Ryan doesn't have the weapons necessarily that scare you, but I, I really do feel like this is a have some sort of game plan wrinkle, whether it's jams, whether it's doubles, whether it's brackets, whatever you want to do against Kyle Pitts to take him out of the game. But I don't think that you can sit back in zone coverage. Ryan's numbers in zone are very, very good. Unless you really feel like your front, which maybe you do, but unless you really feel like your front's going to dominate up front and just be in Ryan's lap all day long, it's a tough game to just sit back and cover two or cover three because Ryan's going to know how to beat that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's tricky because they've been their best in zone. And this is where, you know, being a, are you a true game plan team, right? A true game plan team comes out and plays man. Well, you've got an incredibly tough man coverage uh, uh, player in Kyle Pitts, right? You have a veteran, you know, you have a veteran quarterback who you probably should play man against. So there's a lot of kind of conflicting. You got, you got to pick your poison this one. I, I, you know, I won't lie. I was, I'm not like checking on the Falcons numbers every single week. Like when I looked this week, they're towards the bottom of the league in just about every offensive Oh yeah, they're not a good offense. No, I don't get it. Like maybe their offensive line is really bad, and that's kind of what I've surmised this week. Yeah, so um, their offensive line is, um, but it should be. It's, I mean, it's 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 jarring because their skill position players are pretty good. Like there's, they don't have a ton of depth, but especially when they had Calvin Ridley, Ridley Pitts, Patterson, Mike yeah. Davis is your running back, Hayden Hurst too. Like that's a unit. That's a legitimate yeah. offensive unit. We would have killed for that unit last year in New England. So right. 
I, you can probably talk more to the offensive line than me, but it feels like they've underperformed this year and you don't want to be the team that they find their groove against. We are back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. So they're an outside zone system at the root of it, right? Arthur Smith, that's what he ran in Tennessee. They have a very athletic offensive line. And this was something that Devon Godshaw said yesterday when we were talking to the players was that they, what pops off the tape about their own line is that they got a lot of speed. Uh, it's really led by a guy in, in Chris Lindstrom, their right guard who they drafted in the first round a few years ago uber athlete tested in the 99th percentile at the combine their center matt hennessy was a 90th percentile guy uh caleb mcgarry their right tackle is another 99th percentile so you have these outside zone schemes that want to flow side to side and then get up to the second level with their guards and be able to push the the line backwards and create cutback lanes and, and pin guys down so if you're the patriots uh, the, the number one thing about this offensive line and that run game, because that that sequencing can start, right? You have a good play action quarterback in Matt Ryan. You have the bootleg action stuff. And then you also have, obviously, a, an outside zone running scheme. Uh, you can't get flowing with it, right? If you're the Patriots, you don't want Dante Hightower and Bentley and Van Noy and Godshaw and Guy to be trying to rent, win foot races with these athletic guys, right? The Pats are going to try to out-muscle and out-physical every team, but in this week in particular, this is a week where you just want to come downhill and get off the ball and, and blow these guys up into the backfield because the Patriots are are stronger, they're stouter, they're bigger uh, than this line, but the line's very, very athletic. So I think there's going to be a lot of power rushing moves, a lot of bull rushing type of moves from the pass rush, and a lot of uh, early hands and early penetration and just aggressive play against the run. Uh, they should be able to own the the Falcons offensive line right they, they and, should be able to yeah. win this matchup Matt Ryan's been hit 45 times this year it's the second most of any quarterback in football I mean yeah. this is we spent a lot of the show we spent a good few minutes on on Tuesday or yeah Tuesday yeah raving about Christian Barmore and Matt Judon and the performance they had against Cleveland what they do in this game should put that performance to shame I mean yeah. I expect those guys to be constantly constantly in Matt Ryan's lap and that that's honestly the best way to beat him we're talking about how tough some of these coverage mismatches are with Kyle Pitts and Cordero Patterson well if Matt Ryan can't get the ball off he's got hands in his face and he can't see downfield well that's going to take care of that so that's really how you beat this passing and that's really how you stop Kyle Pitts is you go to the source you get Matt Ryan and you don't let him get the ball off yeah that's exactly what it is that's what a, a lot of teams have done against this uh, Falcons offense is just blow it up from the inside out. Right. I mean, just, just take advantage of the offensive line 
and go from there. We talked a lot of, uh, I wanted to leave the show with the injury report and a lot of roster moves that the Patriots have made, but we got the Kyle Pitts, Matt Ryan discussion out of the way early. Let's turn over to these uh, injury notes here, Alex. So uh, we talked about at the very, very tail end of the show yesterday for people that hung on with us about the punt return game without Gunnar Oshevsky. Uh, that's not going to be a problem for the Patriots because Gunnar is good to go. He cleared protocol, as did Damian Harris. So I think the next logical uh, question here, some other logistical moves too. Josh Uche to IR, uh, Chase Winovich activated from IR. So that feels like a one-for-one swap in a lot of ways, kind of similar players. But I want to uh, look at the running back situation as we move over to the Patriots offense. How do we feel like this running back split is going to work out with Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris because Ramondre certainly earned some touches, right? I don't think you can just put him back on the bench and not give him the ball at all. I think he did. But at the same time, like when I think about what it's going to look like this week, because I think like moving forward, big picture, it's going to be week to week. That's how they've always done it. Um, And I like the idea that you can mix and match both of them. I don't think either one of them will be the bell cow like we saw Ramondre last week. I think they're going to keep them yeah. fresh because that's the thing when you could, I talked about this on Tuesday, right? When you keep those bully ball backs fresh and you just let them just, just hit chip away at linebackers over and over and over. And they still have their legs under them. And the linebackers don't, you create an advantage late in the game. So I don't think either one of them becomes the bell cow. That being said, I look at what it might be this week. And here you have Ramondre Stevenson, a rookie, Touched the ball, what was it, 23 times, I think, last week. Really took a beating. Now you've got a short week. Damian Harris is rested. He hasn't played in two weeks. Right. I think this is going to be a big Damian Harris game just to kind of balance that out, just to balance out the heavy workload Ramondre had. That doesn't mean Ramondre won't won't play. I think he'll still play. I think he'll still get his. But, you know, I think assuming it'll be a run-heavy game, you're probably looking at like 20 carries. I'd go like 20 carries Harris, 10 to 12 for Stevenson, somewhere in that range. Um, I think they just kind of lighten Stevenson's load this week because it is a short week and because he got the crap beat out of him last week. And that's smart. It's going to piss people off because Ramondre looked good last week and people are excited about that. And you have every right to be excited. Like, absolutely. But I would also say that Damian Harris is good too. Let's not forget that. Damian Harris is a really good back. And it's all about keeping these guys fresh and healthy and a slightly less workload in this one game for Ramondre Stevenson might be ultimately long-term the best play, especially because the Falcons run defense blows, you know, Brandon Bolden should be able to go for hundred yards in this game. JJ Taylor should be able to go for hundred yards in this game. Shouldn't really matter who has the ball, but I would just, I I think that they might just lighten the workload on Stevenson a little bit to keep him healthy. Yeah. So I think that it's a pretty big mismatch for the Patriots defensive front against the Falcons offensive line, but at least the Falcons offensive line has some individual players that are pretty talented, right? Like Chris Lindstrom's a talented guy. Hennessy, their center is a good, uh, a talented dude. Um, they, they, they have some guys on their line that at least you can sit there and say, okay, like, you know, th- those guys are talented. Jake Matthews at left tackle, but other than Grady Jarrett on that defensive line, it is. I mean, I, I could read you off some of the names of the starters, and I bet you a, a lot of people here listening wouldn't even know who these guys are, right? You know, uh, right. Tyler Davison, uh, Jonathan Bullard is, is a name. Uh, Marlon Davidson, is, we uh, we might have talked about him in the draft a little bit. Uh, Dante Fowler's back, uh, but he's you know not 
he's a pass rusher, right? He, he's a he's right. not a guy that's going to really stop the run. Uh, Deion Jones is probably their best player on defense outside of Jarrett, but he's a 235, 240-pound linebacker. He's not Dante Hightower. So looking at this game, looking at the way that the Patriots offensive line played on Sunday – and then also just thinking short week, Damian Harris is fresh because he didn't play on Sunday. This feels like they could potentially run the football 35, 40 times in this game. And they should be able to run it at will against Atlanta. And as we kind of move over to Mac and, and his uh, you know outlook for this game tomorrow night, the one thing that you can say about this Falcons defense that does not have a ton of talent on it, it's, it's a very limited de- defense talent-wise Dean Pease knows how to scheme it up, right? De- Dean yeah. Pease is a veteran defensive coach. coordinator, been around the block a million times, former Patriots DC. He understands how to rotate. He understands how to disguise. He understands how to scheme it up and muddy it up for these younger quarterbacks. So you definitely don't want to get into a situation where it becomes max mental football IQ uh, versus Dean Peace's schematic ability and kind of get into that sort of game. Uh, I would think the Patriots would want uh, to be able to run the ball down their throats and then work in the passing game from there. Yeah. I, I think if you can stay running the ball, I mean, you just want to beat up on what their weakness is, right? If you can stay running the ball, run the ball. It's kind of like the Panthers game. There's no shame in only throwing the ball 15 times this week. If you only throw the ball 15 times, you're probably walking out with a win. So right. Um, I, as frustrating as it's been, you know, I know some people hearing that, no, they just started throwing back. Looks good. Right. No, 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 no. This is the, this is a week you run the ball. You tote the rock ground and pound bully ball, physical, like all that. This is, this is that game. Beat the crap out of them up front, run the ball four yards of carry. TCOB again, it all comes back to that. Just take care of business. Yeah. It, it really outside of Jared, Jared's the one game wrecker and uh, on that defensive line that he can still really play. I'm sure Patriots fans remember him from super bowl 51. He, he might've won super bowl MVP. If that score had held for Atlanta, he was that dominant in that game, especially in the first half. So he's a guy that can still get off the ball. That can still very explosive player that can penetrate the line and blow up your running game pretty quickly. But if you block him, you take him out, you have some sort of plan for him. Uh, he's a three technique. He's going to line up in the in the B gap most of the time. So you have something ready for him. I assume that they're going to have him on the left side most of the time uh, so that they can keep him away from Shaq Mason and Trent Brown and the double teams and let him just get off the ball and try to get into the backfield. But other than Jared, it just is a really – lackluster defensive line talent wise and the Patriots should be able to have their way in the running game. But I do want to talk about Mac. And Oh, actually wait, before we talk about Mac offensive line, uh, are we assuming that they're going to roll out a similar offensive line shape uh, kind of rotation or whatever you want to call it as last week, uh, Josh McDaniels said today that he felt like it was the best thing to do. And this is kind of what we talked about yesterday Instead of shaking up the entire line, if Trent Brown can't go the distance, it's just one in and one out, right? You know, with Trent Brown and Mike Onwenu at right tackle. So that's why Ted Karras stays in the starting lineup. All six guys, McDaniel said, are going to play. All six guys, they like all six guys. They're going to find a way to get Onwenu on the field. But just in case uh, Trent Brown is not able to go the distance or re-aggravates the calf or whatever, uh, they want Mike Onwenu to be 
the top backup tackle instead of shuffling everything around on the offensive line. Yeah, right. It's isn't that, I think that's like exactly what we said. I yeah. think it's going to be something similar just because it's the short week. You don't have a ton of time to play with things. So I, right. I think we'll see that same starting five. I think you'll still see on when you cycle in. Uh, and I, th- I mean, it goes back to what we just talked about with the running game. I think we see more of that, that six offensive line, that tackle eligible uh, just to move the ball on the ground. So I they, again, they got 10 days off after this game. I think it's you, you go with what worked against the Browns, bread and butter game, right? And then you reassess it when you get this kind of extended break here coming up. I, I, I think it's the same thing again this week. Yeah, it's tough because we talked about it yesterday. Uh, Ted Karras has really developed into sort of a glue guy for this offensive line and for this team. Matt Judon, unprovoked yesterday, gave him a shout out at his press conference saying that Judon is, or uh, Karras is a guy that sets the physical tone to practice and it really brings it in that respect. And you see that and you hear that and you wonder on top of the fact that it gives them kind of another center in a lot of ways to help out Mac Jones and David Andrews uh, with the uh, protections and with the mic points and things like that. Uh, he's someone that maybe is a glue guy for this offensive line and is the kind of a continuity type of guy um, and a high IQ player that can sort of hold the whole thing together. And then you also wonder with Isaiah Wynn at left tackle, who has played better in recent weeks, how much is that related to the fact that he now has Karras next to him instead of an inexperienced guard in Onwenu? So uh, there's a lot of of things that a lot of factors uh, here with the offensive line. I I do think that we might see some 6-0 line. Uh, This Falcons deep front, their run defense, I think is really vulnerable. I I think there is a way – to if they they might go six oh line first drive of the game, right? First offensive series, we might just see them run six oh line out there with on Wenu and just try to ram it right down Atlanta's throats with Damian Harris. I that that's kind of where I'm at with that. Let's talk about Mac though. I think a lot of the Mac discourse, I, I know the national discourse and uh listening to the radio waves and stuff like that is uh just talking about comparing him to Brady, you know, and, and especially 2001 Brady and I to me, I just don't understand why we need to go there. Like, it, does it really matter if he's better? People or worse? click on it, right? But it, does it really matter if Mac is better or worse than Brady was twenty years ago? I, I just, I don't know why that is. That's part of this conversation. But I think what we saw from Mac last week was taking that next step in terms of pre-snap being able to basically know the answers to the test before the ball is even snapped. And he, he had quite a few plays where the ball, it's not just check downs. It's not just throws underneath. He's pushing the football down the field. And he's making such quick and decisive decisions with the ball so quickly. But like I said, this is going to be a, uh, a difficult a test here with Dean Peace. They don't have the talent in the secondary in Atlanta. It's not an overly talented uh, defense in general, uh, but Peace definitely knows how to scheme it up. Yeah. Yeah. He died. Nothing to add. Yep. I'm going to audible and talk about cannabis, specifically Massachusetts premier cannabis dispensaries, INSA, I-N-S-A. They're the premier because the founders, Pat and Pete, re-engineered the cannabis model from what they sell to how they sell it while never forgetting it's for everyone. Into dispensaries are inviting and modern, so come in just to learn more. The staff are authorities on the science who answer every question from the differences between flowers and concentrates to offering for insomnia and anxiety or reco for hanging with friends. Insa 
has a world-class head chef too, and only hires the most respected growers who perfected their craft when it wasn't so legit. One last thing, the Insta founders aren't VCs from Silicon Valley, but lifelong pals from Springfield. So there's another local team to root for, Insta. In Salem, East Hampton, Boston Delivery, and two Springfield locations, including just one off I-91 beside the MGM Casino. Mention we said to stop by for a sweet t-shirt or for one penny, insa.com or 877-500-INSA. All right. Uh, anything else that we want to hit on? This is not exactly the most exciting matchup. Is there You know what? It's it's funny. I, I I was thinking when we were doing the show yesterday, like we haven't done a and a in forever. Like we haven't taken questions in forever. And that's supposed to be a big part of the show. So do we want to just take questions? Yeah. If you guys have questions, drop them in the chat. I think uh, 33 minutes on this Thursday night game with Atlanta is is probably about as much as you could expect us to talk about this game. It's uh, Can we get an, an early uh, Patriots draft crush for, for you since somebody asked that early on. I don't even know if I have one. It's I, I see if you watch college football. I haven't turned the page even close to the draft yet. All right. So Andrew's been asking us this question, um, really, since the beginning of the show. So I will answer it. Yeah. A- any chance this happens? Any chance that Shaq Mason is a guy that the Patriots move on from at the end of the year and free up that spot for for Trent Brown to start at right guard? I. I put this at a very, very low percentage chance of happening, but we'll pose the question. Yeah, a lot would have to happen because you have to remember Trent Brown's on a one-year deal. Isaiah wins just on his fifth-year option. He's a guy I think they could potentially look to move in a trade. Yeah, um, I think those two guys move on before Shaq Mason. I think, look, it's not impossible. Uh, first off, before they cut him, they'd look to rework his contract. Like He's not somebody they're just going to get rid of. But You're right. Um, a lot would have to happen. So I, I, I think his, his job security is pretty safe. He's still a very good player too, right? I mean, he's Jack Mason. Yeah. still a really, really good player, especially as always been a really, really great run blocker basically since the jump at when the Patriots drafted him, Ted Karras is also only on a one-year deal. Uh, so he's another player that that's yeah. not under contract next year. Obviously I'm sure you could get Karras back on pretty short money and be able to fill that in. But I don't think they have the guard depth right now to to just ship out Shaq Mason. I'd much rather try uh, on Wenu and continue to work with him at left guard than, than to make yeah. a drastic move like that. Okay, uh, our thoughts on Barmore, Alex. Uh, that's uh, he's yeah, he, he's good. He's he, he he's, he's you really don't know what our thoughts are. What my thoughts are on Christian Barmore at yeah. this point. Yeah, I think I, I've said this, and I love Mac Jones. I really do. Christian Barmore might be their best rookie from Alabama right now. He really might be. He is just unbelievable the way he he gets a push and explodes out. And and once per, I keep saying once per drive, once per drive, he ruins a play by collapsing the pocket from the apex. You don't see that. You just don't see that in the NFL. He's a special player. He's a really, really special player. Was a great pick. Yeah, as I said yesterday, consistency, right? The ability to not just do it in flashes or not just drew it one play here, one play there, one week here, one week there. We are now going on three, four games in a row of Christian Barmore consistently doing his job at a high level. And that's the difference between rookies like a Winovich or rookies like a Nuche and rookies like a Barmore who are actually rounding out into being uh, a really – all-around good player for the Patriots. Uh, Johnu Smith question here. Uh, we didn't we didn't spell Johnu correct there, so we'll, we'll fix that. But Johnu Smith 
Is it a coincidence that they put up 40-plus uh, both times that Johnny Smith – well, he played in the first half against the Jets, so that's not a totally yeah, accurate. Yeah, he had like six – what, do you have six yeah. catches on the first yeah. drive? Yeah, so I, I don't want to talk about the coincidence and, and if he's like, you know, uh, holding the offense back or anything like that. But the one element of this offense – and I think Nelson Aguilar in a lot of ways is doing the job they're paying him to do. Maybe they're paying him a little bit too much to do it, but I think that he's giving them the speed on the outside that they were looking for. But still, uh, the next kind of – this offense is hitting at all cylinders for the most part, but maybe the next level could be getting Johnny Smith a little bit more involved like we saw him in the first half against the Jets. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's it's not – it's more like what you could put Johnny on top of what they've been doing. Like, right. I don't think they're playing better because he's not on the field. I think it's just, they're playing better because they're clicking and it's later in the season. And if they can get Johnny Smith involved then this is going to be even better. Somebody yeah. asked about, um, cause the only time we're going to get to talk draft for the next two months. Somebody asked which Alabama receiver in the draft, if they can take one. Um, I don't know if you saw that, uh, real quick on that. Okay, go ahead. Just, no, I'll, anyway, I'll- I'll find it and you. Okay. Uh, it was neither of the names on there. Jaleel Billingsley. Uh, he might be a tight end. Not really sure, but he's like, I mean, he plays, he's like a slot receiver, but he's 6'4, 220. But like he's, he's quick and he moves like a slot receiver. So he's just somebody I think is a really neat player, a really unique player. He's a guy I really like. And he's going to be like a second round pick, probably third round pick. So that's, that's my guy from Alabama, Jaleel Billingsley. If they go offense, they go defense. Henry To'o To'o, the middle linebacker, transfer from Tennessee. That's a great name. You got it, Evan. I'm, I'm serious now. Get ready. Uh, I mean, I'm serious when I tell you that I hate to. I know I it kills you. Just listen. I am not going to I'm not going to look at a single NFL draft until save January. You time I'm here. telling you right I, now. I'm trying to save you time here. <laughs> Henry To'o To'o was a highly uh, touted high school prospect. Saban recruited him heavily. He ends up going to Tennessee. Plays there two years, transfers back to Alabama. Supposedly the hardest Saban's ever worked for a transfer recruit. Comes in year one, learns the Alabama defense in time to be the communicator on the field. Like he's got the green dot as a transfer, is a leader on the team, um, great run stopping linebacker, incredibly high football IQ, instinctual. Bill's going to be all over this kid, all over this kid. I'm just, he should be one of the first players you watch because we need to talk a lot about him. I'm just okay. telling you. Let's talk about Josh Uche. Let's get back to the, okay. the players actually on the team. Uh, let's talk about Josh Uche and uh, just I, this is disappointing. Like, there's no other way to put it. He had a fantastic summer, right? One of the best players on the field in training camp for the Patriots all summer long. He had a great start to the year, first couple of games. He was doing exactly and carrying it over exactly the way we thought he would from camp into the uh, regular season. And then all of a sudden, the back injury started it, right? Now an ankle injury lands him on injured reserve. And I hate to say it, but this is exactly what you heard uh, when you talked to people at Michigan about Josh Uche. He would have these great fall camps. He would have great starts to the season at Michigan. And then some injury or or, or usually an injury uh, would happen. And all of a sudden you know, there goes Josh Uche, right? He wouldn't, you, he would disappear for the rest of the year. This has just kind of been the book on Uche, even going back to his college days. And it's, it's really disappointing and, and frustrating because you see the flashes and it's, it's incredible to watch him play sometimes, but he just can't seem to stay healthy and can't seem to put it all together consistently. 
I think it's just unfortunate too, you know, for him, there's so much depth in front of him. I think the plan was to kind of rotate him in with some of these other guys, but I mean, are you taking Matthew Judon off the field right now? You know, Kyle Van Noy had, it didn't have the best September, but he's come on. He's played really well here these last three or four weeks. Where are you playing him? There's just, there's, we, and we talked about this in camps. There were, there were going to be odd men out at linebacker. They just had so much talent there. And Uche, as good as he was in the spring, as good as he was this summer, it's the odd man out. Everybody else is playing too well. And that happens. And, you know, maybe there's still a role for him. We'll see when he comes back. Uh, I, I don't think it's time to totally give up on him. But, yeah, he's just – he's been outplayed. It happens. It's only so many people can get on the field. And yeah. and he just hasn't kind of cracked that rotation as much as we thought he might. Uh, do we think that it's as simple as uh, Uche, excuse me, to injured reserve Chase Winovich into that role? Because it, they are similar players. I think Uche is a little bit more versatile than what Winovich brings to the table in terms of coverage responsibilities and his ability to kind of play in space. Uh, but that seems to me like the most logical explanation here is that Winovich goes right into that sub package rusher role that Uche leaves behind by going to injured reserve. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. All right. Um, how about this question about Kyle Van Noy? Because he tweeted out something after the game on Sunday. I think Dan Orlovsky gave him a, a shout out on Twitter for having a good game against Cleveland. And he mentioned that he was finally getting healthy. And, and that was a yep. big reason why uh, he was starting to play better. Um, he did have the groin injury. And yeah, he's, he's been, been on the injury report oh, yeah. every single week uh, for, with the groin. So obviously that seems to be getting a little bit better, I, I suppose. And, and he does look a little bit better over the last couple of weeks and more like the player, not necessarily 19 Van Noy, right? That, that player seems to be uh, maybe not here anymore, but definitely what he looked like last year with Miami. And, and he's starting to come on here a little bit for the Patriots. Yeah, he's playing well. I, I, I would assume it's the groin injury, right? If he's on there with that, whatever it is, he's certainly, I mean, he's, he's played a real going back to, I think the Chargers game was when it like first stood out going back to that. Maybe the Jets game. Like he's, he's been playing really well here. Do we want to do uh, Ronnie Perkins? Yeah. So somebody asked the, the Anthony Jennings slash Ronnie Perkins okay. question. Anthony Jennings is on injured reserve. He's not playing this year. So let's just talk about Ronnie Perkins. Um, any chance he's active tomorrow night? Any chance he makes some noise? Where Where's our, our temperature check with Ronnie Perkins right now? Um, Maybe he'll be active t- tomorrow. I don't know. I thought this is probably more likely before Winovich got activated. I- I'm right. not worried about Ronnie Perkins. I see people kind of second guessing them. Oh, I thought it was a good pick. I thought he was a good player. We don't. We don't know that, that it was a bad. Like, yeah. guys take time. It's red shirt year. Maybe yeah. they're doing with him what they do with the running backs. I we said that after the draft. That yeah, of course. Well, he was the guy at at Oklahoma that played with his hand in the dirt. Right. He was right. somebody that was a, a really a true hand in the dirt, three point stance, defensive end, sometimes even four point down in that frog stance as well. So he was never somebody that stood up and played on his feet. So this is a completely different role that he's learning here in the NFL. You don't need to push him on the field because you have Judon and you have Van Noy and you have Uche and Winovich and you have great depth at that position. So you have the time to, to kind of hang back. And I think you've brought it up in the past, Alex, that people, we're all over them for Damian Harris, remember? Because he didn't right. play as a rookie. Turns out Damian Harris is better than Sony Michelle and is a really good NFL running back. So uh, I would also preach patience with Ronnie Perkins. I think that he'll have a chance to play more next year than this year. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I still think it was a good pick. I still think he can play. He just needed a year. He needed a year to refine his game, and they're in a position where they're able to do that. And that, yeah. you know, works out. Nothing wrong with that. All right. I uh, I wanted to bring this one up. We got I, we a lot of chatter in the in the chat about Nikhil Harry. And I'll say two things about Nikhil Harry. His blocking was great on Sunday. It was great. But can we please stop with all the hyperbolic tweets and 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 things about how fantastic of a blocker Nikhil Harry is? I mean, he's a he good knocked blocker. over. He knocked over Miles Garrett. He knocked over Miles Garrett on how a, many wide receivers in uh, the he, league? Uh, he knocked over Miles Garrett on a chip when Miles Garrett wasn't expecting him to hit him. Like it's how, not because like he's, he's that's the point. There. It's it's deception. How yeah, many wide I, receivers like, in the it's league? It's not like you're sitting there and, and, and Miles Garrett and he's taking Miles Garrett on head on and he's and he's planting him into the ground. That's not how many happened. wide receivers in the league are pancaking Miles Garrett, Evan. It's not a long blocking. list. The better block was the was the crack block on Ramondre Stevenson's touchdown. Yeah, yeah, that, a lot that of good was a better block. All right, that Look, was there's something block. to be said for it. There's something, it's something to be said, to be said for, for it. it. It was a great blocking performance. You didn't draft the guy in the first round for great blocking performances, okay? And I'm not going to sit here and, and 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 heap the oh look at the blocking clips from Nikhil Harry and look at him do this and look at him do that and look at how he decks Miles Garrett here and he cracks the edge here. It's it's nice. It was a good blocking performance. They didn't draft in the block. And to be honest with you, I actually asked Bill Belichick this question a few years ago when Nikhil Harry's rookie season. I asked Bill about his blocking, and he, Bill himself said, we didn't draft him to block. Like, it's nice that he can block. but You it's need to not, find that clip. Yeah, but it's not why we drafted the guy. <laughs> you need okay? to find that clip, like, now. Right. That'd be so, great. It's just... For for the person that's been probably given Nikhil Harry the longest leash out of anybody, right? I've really stayed patient with Nikhil Harry, and I really thought that it's gonna was gonna work out, but that definitely is not why they drafted him. Now it was great that he was a good blocker on Sunday. It's could it earn him a bigger role? That's the question, right? Didn't really sound like it with Josh McDaniels this morning. It kind of sounded like McDaniels was like, eh, he got, he got his role is kind of is what it is. Right. Right. So I, it's funny. I actually think Nikhil's played well this year when they've given him the opportunities, right? He made the nice yeah. catch against the jets. Like he, he made a nice catch against Browns up the sideline. Yeah. When they've put him in position to make those contested catches, he's made them. And that's what they should have been doing this whole freaking time. Yeah. I, I would like to see them throw more of those balls, put him out there in more of those situations. He's Now, how's he getting open? He's playing like 40% of the time. And is there a reason he's not getting thrown to as much? I don't know. But it does seem like even when they throw him the ball, he's been okay. They just yeah. haven't thrown him the ball a ton. Yeah. And it goes back to, again, the story of Nikhil Harry, whether he leaves this offseason, whatever it is. The story of Nikhil Harry is not that he was a bad player. It's that he was a uh, a, a, had a specific fit. skill set. He had a right. He's a bad fit. He had a specific skill set that the Patriots couldn't maximize, and he couldn't add to his toolbox. That's the story of Nikhil Harry. Like I've said this before. Whenever he leaves, like if he leaves and if he gets traded this offseason or next offseason, whatever, he goes somewhere. It's not going to be like an All Pro, but. He'll be a decent third receiver somewhere. He'll be like a 40 catch, 600 yard guy, red zone threat, right? He'll have success. It's just 
they're asking him to do things he can't do and he can't figure out he can't learn the things that they're trying to get him to learn and it just it goes back to it was an odd pick yeah it was an odd pick because there were guys there on the board that did the things they want Nikhil Harry to do like I don't fault them for passing on DK Metcalf because I think he would have had a lot of the same issues I don't think DK Metcalf is the guy he is now if he gets drafted in New England. We right. keep talking about fit with the quarterbacks and Mac Jones versus, you know, Zach Wilson. Is is DK uh, the total failure Nikhil's been in New England? No. But is he the thousand-yard all-pro he's been in Seattle? Also no. Uh, you know, I, I look at a guy like A.J. Brown. I look at, was Terry McClure in that draft? Like, those are the guys I Terry, see. The yeah, so, I, so A.J. Brown was that draft. Debo was that draft. Terry McLaurin yeah. was that draft. And then Renfro was later. In that draft, right? He gets drafted in like the fourth or fifth round. He's not overrated. I stand by that. Oh, Renfro's no. over. If you want Renfro, uh, anyway. you're talking about fit and you're talking about what will work. Renfro would be the perfect fit in this offense, right? The yeah, problem pushed you, off in the national championship. Oh game my god. I, still not over that. That's why you're that's why you don't like Renfro. You're just <laughs> that is why I don't like Renfro. I've been oh open my about god. that. The only reason why you know, look, we, we talk about fit with wide receivers uh, and Nikhil Harry's problem is that the Patriots run an offense where you need to be in a certain place at a certain time. And you need to be able to do that within the framework of the offense, because if you're not there at that time, when he gets open, right. Then the quarterback's moving on, right. Yeah, right it's right. the next read in the progression. So I, I think that Harry has a little bit more ability than what they've tapped into as a wide receiver. I, I do really feel that way. I just, as you said, it's just not, here is not the place, right? right? Here was not the place for it. AJ Brown would have been a, a, a probably good player no matter where he went. I don't know, but he, he also struck me as a, as a type of player that is, um, you know, more winning down the field on, 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 on his own. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 right. I think the guys like McLaurin, the guys like Renfro, uh, those are the types of guys that have succeeded here in the past. If they truly wanted like a ball carrying type of player, then the fact that they drafted Nikhil over Debo Samuel is also, you know, another thing that we can talk about another day, right. but and it, just, it's good. You know, just one other point. Somebody made in the comments. Uh, I thought the coaches were experts at using the player's strengths. That's why it's so weird because they're normally so good at yeah. this. And for whatever reason with Nikhil Harry, just escape them. Like it's, so just, it's I don't odd. Know, I don't think it's exactly the same, but it, the way things have trended with Johnny Smith also, we, we brought up this point a few weeks ago about how these big athletic raw type of players in Josh McDaniels' system is not necessarily a great fit, right? The guy that's succeeding here at the tight end position is a guy like Hunter Henry, who is a technician, right? He's a route running technician. He's a smart player. He understands how to settle in zone coverages, how to get open against man coverage and not necessarily with Johnu, who is more of like an athlete, right? You just need to get him the football and get him in right. space. Harry seems like a similar type of guy in that, in that respect. And maybe more of a contested catch guy down the field than Johnu is, but Johnu is an athlete. He just needs to go out there and out athlete everybody. Same with Nikhil to a degree, right? He just needs to be right. somebody that they use as an athlete and they, they haven't been able to. But I just thought that, look, I, I don't mean to pick on Nikhil Harry, but I just thought the the conversation on Twitter uh, about, oh my gosh, look at this block by Nikhil. It was too much. It was too much for me. Because you hate fun. Let, let, let's just, let's keep it in perspective. Uh, Kendrick Bourne's been great uh, for the Patriots. A, a, a nice surprise, maybe, in some respects. But uh, talking about this wide receiver, why guys fit, why go, guys don't fit, 
Horn's a great example of that too, right? I mean, he's somebody that right. can get open, that can create separation at the top of his routes, that understands route running, understands the techniques, and, and that's why he's succeeding here. He's the good hands catcher of, too. Good hands catcher, exact type of guy yeah. that succeeds here is a, a guy built like Kendrick Bourne. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he's been their best wide receiver this year. I think he leads them actually now in receiving yards. Um, yeah, no, he's the uh, you you hit on all of it. He's the exact kind of guy that's had success here. Matt Dolliff said something on our podcast yesterday that kind of bummed me out a little bit. He would have been fun to watch with Brady. Yeah. Like he feels like a guy that Brady could have really maximized, but it feels like Mac's yeah. maximizing him and, yeah. and him and Mac. I mean, the, how well him and Mac are working together after, you know, getting together so recently. They've been working together for less than a year. And yeah. it really feels like they're on the same page. It really feels like they're in sync. It feels like there's something special there. So, I like Kendrick Bourne, sneaky, one of their best signings of the offseason. He's a really fun player, too. Just watching him, really easy guy to root for. Like, he's a ton of fun. Uh, the mic'd up, ton of fun to talk to. I think yeah. he's it's funny. He said when he signed in his introductory press conference, he was like, Yeah, I think Patriots fans are gonna like me. Yeah. yeah, he nailed that one. Yeah, he nailed that one. Yeah, he's a competitive dude, he's a fun dude, he's got a lot of energy. Uh, he's a good player. He's more explosive. I, I said this the other day, too. I keep saying that. I, more explosive than I, I originally thought, right? After the catch with the ball in his hands on those end arounds and, and the different things that they used him as a ball carrier on Sunday, he has a, a different gear. I mean, I know it was late in the game and, and maybe uh, the Browns to kind of let their foot off the gas as well. But that slant that he got caught from Brian Hoyer that he took like 45, 50 yards down the field, he took off. You know, he, he really hit another gear and, and kind of hit a, an explosiveness there that I, I didn't necessarily thought that he had in his bag. You know, just talking to people in San Francisco when they signed him, you know, media people in San Francisco that had covered him. Uh, they just said, look, he's not flashy. A lot of guys compared him to like a younger Mohamed Sanu. I don't remember Sanu ever having that type of open field explosiveness, even when yeah. he was at his best and at his healthiest. So uh, a really fun player to watch. Uh, let's take one last one here. The Isaiah Wynn conversation. Uh, this one has probably got as many legs as I've heard any conversation that have recently is uh, what are the Patriots going to do with Isaiah Wynn, right? Moving forward. Uh, is left tackle an area need? I even would ask the question or pose the question, is there an offensive line that exists with Trent Brown at left tackle, right? If maybe they feel like their five best guys include Brown and on Wenu, you play on Wenu at right tackle, you play Trent at left tackle and Wynn goes to the bench. I've been a patient with Wynn. I've, I've been somebody that's believed in his talent, but $10 million is a steal for a starting caliber left tackle next year compared to what he gets on the open market. But it has not been a, a great year for Isaiah Wynn. He's been better of late, and he deserves credit for that. So, I mean, some of it comes down to what do you want to do with Michael and Wynn? Do you want to put him back in at guard or not? Because like we talked about, Ted Karras is leaving. Right. Um, let's say they do want to put him back at guard. I think what you do, you know – you bring, they could bring back Trent Brown. I don't know what that would look like, but I think whatever happens, you know, you draft the tackle relatively high. Cause either way, Trent Brown is, what is he? 29 now. Yeah. Right. Uh, so is he, is he only 29. Let me, let me look that up real quick before I make this point. He is, uh, he'll be 29th start next season. He's actually 29 oh, wow. right now. Um, but you're not going to give him like a four or five year deal. Right. Right. Not so, the guy you want to ask, ask the Raiders about giving Trent Brown. A, right. So know. at, 
at most, if you bring him back, you're going to go year to year with him. Isaiah wins in the last year of his deal. I think you kind of do what they did at running back this year, where you know you're going to need to invest in the position anyway. Right. You do it a year too early. It's a good year to draft a tackle. You try to get a swing tackle, a guy who can play both sides. Just go back. We talked about the beginning of the show. Darian Kennard, yeah. University of Kentucky. Look him up. Yeah. Six four three fifty, I think. Oh, uh, but he can move. He's got That's some. He's, boy. He's, yeah, but he can move a little bit. He kind of he's not as big as Trent Brown, but it's you know the same general idea. Um, but whoever it is, you draft tackle in the top one hundred. You go in with with win in in Brown or win in Onwenu if you need to add right. a guard there. Um, and then you see what happens. If the tackle you draft isn't ready, you have Isaiah win for $10 million. It's a good deal. And then you hope that guy slides in next year. Or if not, if, if that guy shows he can play, Isaiah wins a valuable trade piece, because right. like you said, a team is going to jump at the chance to pay their left tackle $10 million. If a team is a tackle get hurt in camp, or they just don't think they're, they're where they need to be on the offensive line. You can probably get something of value for Isaiah Wynn, and then you either have Onwenu or Brown on one side, and you have this rookie on the other. So there's a couple different ways it, it can go, but I think you draft a tackle this year high, and you at least push Win, and you make him you make him win his job in camp next year. Yeah, I, I think that's spot on. And and somebody the Sony Michelle comparison is ironic because they are same draft, same college, right? right. But uh, it definitely feels right that they could go into next training camp. And if a rookie like Ramondre Stevenson did, you trade win at that point. I, I definitely think when you look at Mac Jones, you look at the type of quarterback that he is, this is a team that's going to be built around a pocket passer and built around somebody that's going to be standing in the pocket a lot when he's uh, looking to throw the football. There is nothing better. That the, I know everybody's going to be obsessed with the weapons and everybody's going to want a wide receiver one in the off season and sign this guy, sign that guy or draft this guy high. There is nothing that's going to benefit Mac Jones more than if they keep the offensive line as a, as a strength of the team. Right. right? And so drafting a left tackle or just drafting a tackle at the top of the draft, whether you put them on the left side or you put them on the right side, long-term, it really doesn't make a difference anymore. You have to go ahead and get your franchise. I would hope it'd be left, but it doesn't really matter. You have to go and get your left tackle of the next decade, right? Isaiah Wynn is not your left tackle of the next decade. He's just not. He's not the guy that you're going to put in trust. He's not Matt Light. Right. He's not. Exactly. He's not Matt Light. The Patriots need Matt Light for their Mac Jones, right? They they need to protect Mac like they used to protect Brady. And and that's got to be priority number one to me. In maybe even more so than corner or linebacker, which I think are two other needs that they're really going to address. Uh, I would say left tackle has got to be number one on list for the type of offense and the type of quarterback that you have, because they're going to want to be able to run the football and they're going to want They're going to have to priority number one, be able to protect Mac for the long term because that's just the type of guy that he is. So yeah, exactly. They need their Matt light. Uh, Nate Solder got a bad rap here in New England. He was pretty solid for a while too. Uh, so yep. go ahead and, and get that left tackle that can be the guy there for five to ten years. I, Isaiah Wynn's not the answer for the long term. And I, I just looked it up just for the record. Kennard, 6'5", 350. Looks like he's got long arms based on the picture. He just won SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week. So I'm giving yeah, you yeah. some homework, Kevin. Just watch a couple plays, couple plays. Derek, you, you're on the plane tomorrow. Just download the video. This, this, watch is, it on the a, plane. this is a good week to do it because I, right. I'm already a little bit ahead on the Titans, right? You know, it's going to it's gonna be a longer week. So there you go. 
So Darian and everybody in the chat can do it too. And let us, when we're back on Friday, let us know what you think. Darian Kennard, offensive tackle, Kentucky. Henry Toa Toa. It's T O apostrophe O space E O apostrophe O. Just for that name. Henry Toa Toa, Alabama. Darius, uh, uh, Darian Kennard, Henry Toa Toa. Little bit of homework because I'm really curious to hear what you think. All right. Well, that about does it here today. Uh, first 30 minutes or so, if you're just checking in now, are our Falcons Patriots preview. Then we just uh, answered some questions here on the back half. Alex and I will be back on Friday afternoon to uh, recap. Sorry, uh, recap this game against the Atlanta Falcons and the Patriots on Thursday night. I will be down in Atlanta, so make sure to keep it right here on Patriots Press Pass and on CLNSmedia.com. Follow Alex, Real Alex Barth, and at 985.com or 985thesportshub.com, right? It's a, it's a, it's a long 985thesportshub.com, yep. Yeah, there you go. And uh, we'll be back on Friday afternoon to recap this game probably talk a little bit about the Titans who are in a really interesting spot. They've won the last two weeks without Derrick Henry, but it hasn't really been the same, right? They beat a Saints team with their third string quarterback or whatever it was, Trevor Simeon starting. And then they beat the Rams two weeks before that. Um, And it doesn't really seem like the Rams are playing great football right now. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with the Titans. I'm not sure the Titans are necessarily as good as their record indicates without Derrick Henry. But we'll get to that on Friday. And then early next week, we'll discuss the Titans a little bit more. So keep it right here. Patriots beat. And we'll see you guys Friday afternoon. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you then.